Happy New Year to all of you, all of the people around the world. This is the Snug Podcast. In this episode, moving into 2024 with Dr. Cooper and Dr. Weatherburn. lovely to be able to say happy new year to yourself and all of the snug members listening yeah there's a lot of things coming up over the next 12 months that they might not be fully ready by the next 12 months but certainly there's a lot going on in the background trying to develop them and get them as as good as we can Hello, you are very welcome to another edition of the Snug Podcast. I'm Andrew McElhaney, a GP in NHS Forth Valley and member of the Scottish National Users Group for GPIT. A very happy new year to you all. Now, I hope you've managed to have a bit of a break over the festive season and are getting settled well into the new year. We've got an interesting episode for you today with some reflections on where we are at the end of 2023 and the beginning of 2024 with one of the co-chairmen of Snug, Dr David Cooper. We're going to think a little bit about the year ahead and maybe give you some ideas for New Year's resolutions. Here's some advice from somebody you might not have thought you were going to hear today in the podcast. Well, to me, it's all about hard work and there's no shortcut. You have to kind of put the work in, you know, and that's why I say in my book, you know, work your ass off. And later on, we're going to be speaking to the Arnold Schwarzenegger of primary care informatics, Dr. Chris Weatherburn, who by popular demand is here again to give us three good books to read or listen to in 2024. But first, let's hear a short conversation I had with David Cooper. David will be well known to all the Snug members and is a GP in Aberdeen in one of the country's largest and most innovative practices. Over the next year, it's likely that every practice in Scotland will have to think seriously about GP, IT, reprovisioning and system change, especially EMIS practices, who will have the greatest potential challenges in learning about and adapting to the new system. I asked David where he thinks we are at the moment what the main challenges are as people prepare for the change and how we might start to think about the changes in business processes and what Snug's role will be in the new developments. So I'm really happy to be able to speak to David today because I know you're in the middle of a working day and uh, it's great for you to take time out and speak to us today, David. Thanks. Uh, Absolute pleasure yet again. Yeah, it's been a while since we've chatted um, on the podcast, but yeah, delighted to to, to be back again. And I hope you've had a good Christmas. It, it's been fantastic, yeah, yeah. Lots of time spent eating, drinking, socialising, um, family, um, all, all the kind of usual fun ways to spend a, a kind of Christmas holiday, thankfully. Yeah, and how are things in Aberdeen? Um, not bad. We're, we're recovering from a fairly nasty storm. Unfortunately, our gazebo disappeared down the street, um, so that's in lots of bits, and the, the practice roof blew off during the storm, so uh, <laughs> uh, we've had our challenges over the last week, but uh, it's a much nicer day and I managed to get out um, yesterday last night walking down the beach so it's it's kind of nice to be back to, to kind of walking and relaxing again so great without getting blown away yeah so we've had a busy year in snug um, and we've just had a great annual conference uh, in November and I was just really hoping to have a short chat about you know just about where we are in in Scotland with GPIT you know at the end of 23 and the start of 24 and obviously the the, the massive issue I suppose for all practices right now is GPIT reprovisioning and 
it's really starting to turn into a reality. What would your summary be of where we are now? Yeah, it's taken us a while to get there. Many, many years which have been kind of involved in the service management board and in terms of snug. But yeah, finally beginning to get more than off the ground. It's kind of becoming business as usual kind of now with a lot of practice transferring over. And certainly I think if not all practice in Tayside, certainly we're motoring on in Grampian. Um, it, it's come, uh, as you kind of know, w- with its challenges um, and most regions started the rollout and had various problems in terms of things like disconnects and password issues and printer configurations and th- there was quite a long list but I, I have to say putting a bit of a hold on the rollout and just trying to fix those problems, that, that seems to have developed really quickly and fixed most of the problems. I, I know there are still some teething issues with the swapping over but yeah, the, the actual the rollout process has started again and certainly up here in Grampian um, it's going generally very very well we're getting less problems with each one each practice and the, the outstanding problems seem to be fixing themselves so so actually from a vision to vision transfer point of view um, it does seem to be motoring on and generally being relatively well well received it has its stressors as with any system change but i think the vision practices seem to be very much coping um relatively well with it yeah and there are advantages you know in terms of we don't have to worry about backups anymore maybe we'll get a bit of an improvement in our appointment system maybe better business continuity these are i think these are all aspects that might appeal more to practice managers i think it might be a different story for some clinical users like gps you know and they might be a bit wary of having to relearn some of the basics you know particularly for us emus users uh, yeah absolutely and i know there's been a lot of work put into kind of getting the EMIS um, transfers across. But but you're right, is there going to be a huge change for the EMIS practices in terms of uh, education, learning, uh, looking for the efficiencies that we've managed to find in the EMIS system, uh, as well as, um, uh, yeah, just the actual kind of swap over process. That, that That's going to come with challenges and potentially um, some hair pulling moments, I think. Um, but but yes, that there, there are a lot of benefits to it. Hence why hence why they've kind of gone that way. And in terms of like say IT hardware requirements and support and software type requirements, uh, and I, I suppose mobilising that data from our individual servers, can we start to realise the uh, the kind of integrated working that potentially can start to happen with our various teams? So the, the yeah, be them the practice teams or the 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 CTAC stuff from the new contract or or even further forward um or or further afield as in uh, yeah can we start getting much better health and informatics and start looking at specifics around about what 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 resources we need in various practices and because as we know different places will have different requirements and without that raw data as to who needs what yeah I suppose from a central point of view how do we how do we plan and how do we make that a kind of reality of trying hopefully to make um, patient care a bit better
Yeah, I mean, I'm sure medium to long term there will be advantages, but it's just that initial hurdle to overcome of learning the new system, isn't it? I mean, I, I kind of wonder sometimes if, if colleagues understand the scale of the, <laughs> the task ahead of learning a new system or whether they might be in a bit of a state of denial about it. I don't yeah, know absolutely. I, and it, it's funny because I've been at several of the presentations now um, from the, the ITD provisioning team who, uh, like I say, what, if you, if you kind of go and hear them, and I suppose there was a, a session at the snug conference as you say which was very very well done about what you need to do or start need to thinking about um, or need to start thinking about from an EMIS point of view that the, there are a lot of challenges to come in terms of um, getting yourself ready for the transfer um, but lots of work being done and I have to say the team are kind of relatively well on it it'll be interesting to see how how that actually materializes in real life because obviously we've not had a uh, an emis division transfer yet um we're still waiting on the kind of data um transfer to happen and then the pilot practice to go so um but but yes if emis practices out there haven't started thinking about it there are a lot of things you can start doing early on in terms of tidying up the system from user point of view or fixing your patient access because again that will need to be transferred across um, your prescription um, need to be tidied up so, so there's a long list of things that you potentially if you've got spare time which uh, I mean a lot of GPs won't have unfortunately but uh, if you do you can make the transfer a lot easier at the time and a lot less stressful um, by starting to look at some of those things. I think that's a real point you know about how busy GPs are at the moment and um, trying to take on this big change in the middle of a, a stressed uh, GP environment. So I, I suppose I'm just trying to work out whether we, well obviously we have to be very real about the the work involved and the problems, but also try and keep positive attitude to it that it will be possible to make this change and there will be advantages once we to get there and get used to it. I mean, I know as, as an advanced and skilled EMIS user, you know, you've a highly developed system with lots of shortcuts. And how do you feel about changing system? Um, I suppose apprehensive, um, definitely, um, from our point of view. We're kind of lucky because a large chunk of our practice are are very IT literate, and I suppose that's that's the bonus, and that's why we've become kind of expert users. Very aware that that's not the case for everyone, and we've certainly got staff members who are less confident using IT. So I I think there will be a lot of training requirements and a lot of handholding requirements, and I suppose a, a lot of time to start looking at how we change our processes. Uh, and we are certainly starting to look, even though we're not expecting to be transferring for probably another 12 months or so, but we're certainly already starting to look at some of the um, demo systems from the, the vision point of view, just to how might we want to change our business processes. But I suppose that the one bonus is a lot of practices do things the way that they've done it and have done it for a long time. So now maybe is the time to start reflecting on other efficiency savings that can happen and what what can we do differently and what does vision do differently that you kind of have to find a different workaround for. And uh, I suppose this is maybe engaging with some of the folk that are long-term vision users, again, either locally or via, via the snug is to, if you've got a question, how do people do it? Because again, some of the presentations at the snug conference showed us there are multiple 
multiple ways of doing things and vision as there are in EMIS. So it's kind of learning what works for you and your practice. So. Yeah, so taking a step back and just sort of thinking, well, could we do it differently or could we do it better? Absolutely, yeah. One of the things I, I am aware of is, you know, the shortcuts and things like Anna Lamont did with Extremis, you know, which I think was a brilliant boost to functionality. We probably won't be able to use macros and things with a hosted system, will we, do you think? Um, that's a good question. I, my, my understanding is no, but there are different kind of ways around about it. Um, we are definitely still using the extremist kind of system for a variety of things. So uh, that's going to be one of our uh, kind of work streams that we're going to start looking at is how do we make those kind of things like autofiling and sending tasks to particular people, for example, just a couple of the extremist things that, that we might want to to figure out how we're going to do for the, the new vision. But you're absolutely right. I mean, we'll be able to share hints and tips and learn from the experienced vision users, you know, and, and the snug meetings are a fantastic way to do that, really, and the videos and everything are available. So it's a, apart from reprovisioning, and we've obviously got a number of other things to keep an eye on, we've got Docman replacement coming up. There's lots of projects. There's digital dermatology. We've got respect ongoing digital platform, e-prescribing. Yep. Well, what do you think, you know, if you look forward for the next 12 months, what, what do you think will change? What do you think will make a difference to us? Yeah, I, I, I think certainly we are probably looking more at a, an efficiency type saving um, kind of environment probably for the next 12 months rather than new uh, amazing pieces of kit, I think. And certainly the development through the the DAX, for example, I sense that is going to continue to develop in terms of efficiency for patients, efficiency for practices. Uh, the other big one that we're beginning to get involved in now is the kind of chat GPT AI type stuff. So we're using that for a huge number of things in and around e-consult responses, letters, uh, yeah, just responses to patients. And I think the other bits and bobs is as the kind of Microsoft environment begins to develop, we're beginning to look at things like automation in the background. So things like Power Automate as to are there any practice processes that you can kind of use or Microsoft Forms that you can collect data from patients. And it's certainly in practice, the new kind of SharePoint environment, we're, we're moving all of our um, clinical guidance intranets move to the new SharePoint environment, along with quite a lot of the practice intranets, for example, they're all on, on on the new SharePoint. So I, I think there's a lot of kind of efficiency savings that we can begin to start looking at from that point of view. Definitely a lot of exciting things. I mean, I heard about this new tool called Nablo Copilot. Have you heard of that one? It can transcribe and summarise a consultation. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose we're in this new world where we've got new tools and it's actually... Are we okay to use them? Absolutely, yeah. And I think we, we've had a variety of conversations to, uh, around information governance people. Uh, and there are some concerns. And I, I suppose uh, as long as the user has thoroughly looked into the, the background to it, just to make sure that obviously we're not breaching things like GDPR and patient confidentiality and that kind of stuff. So a, a decent kind of DPIA type activity, um, then then yes, uh, these things are out there and I mean, big businesses are using them for their business purposes. So, uh, and general practice generally kind of falls a little bit behind these kind of guys. So certainly in another environment that I work in, so oil and gas sector, for example, these are commonplace in big businesses making huge efficiencies. So why would we not? 
But yeah, understanding that there potentially are information governance worries. And uh, yeah, going back to the DAX, I mean, I know you're a long-term user. Yeah, and I'm very interested to know where you think we are with those. Because it's quite a mixture of, you know, to help people see DAX systems. And yeah, I mean, do you, you still use that a lot in your own practice? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I have to say, I, I keep saying that without it, I don't think we would have survived COVID. And it's just gone from strength to strength. Generally, our patients love it. Certainly, we're an e-consult user and their developments over the last while with our with our smart inbox and kind of standard reply usage and again plugging that into the AI chat GPT responses has made processing some of them so much easier I know there are multiple other providers and actually the fact that there is now competition you can already begin to see that actually the development of these things is exponentially going up in terms of usability for both doctors and patients it's it's still got some way to go to be perfect by any means um, and I don't think any of the systems are perfect for all needs but if you're looking for things like acute consulting tools or chronic disease management tools yeah we're certainly using them in practice I agree. I mean, I think Heavily. it's the way ahead and it's just a case of uh, trying to both share the learning that we've got. Snug's obviously, you know, on the, on the forefront of a lot of these things and um, th- there's conferences, there's websites and, and lots of resources. Have you, have you got any, any, any New Year's messages for Snug members? Um, I suppose other than the fact there is a lot coming, a lot that we're involved with and a lot that we're kind of representing users to try and make these systems actually much more user friendly because quite often if if you get into the technicalities of it, they they become technically friendly, but um, they have to be user friendly. But but, but you're right, as you said, a long list of things like electronic prescribing and the DAC systems and DocManTen and the Vision system, which has got the various modules and forms of tasks and vision anywhere and appointment systems we're kind of integrally involved with quite a lot of the development uh, of all of those kind of things just representing what users will want so so yeah yeah there's a lot of things coming up over the next 12 months that they might not be fully ready by the next 12 months but certainly there's a lot going on in the background trying to develop them and get them as, as good as we can I think the long the longer I've been involved with Snug and kind of GPIT, um, nothing ever stays still, and I, I sense there will be more appearing, largely from a, a chronic disease management kind of processes, and certainly I, I know there is a variety of blood pressure chronic disease management as well as other patient self management, and and again we were discussing at the the Snug around about the use of patient gadgets essentially so the the apple watches and the the personal blood pressure machines and the personal oxygen saturations and the diabetic monitoring kind of equipment that yeah these kind of personal health devices uh, we're going to have to figure out how those become involved in in people's long-term health cares as well so there's a lot of them beginning to spring up and it's interesting yeah in england obviously they're getting access to patient records now so it'd be interesting to see if that develops in in scotland as well so i think lots to be positive about in spite of the struggles that people have we have to embrace all these changes and and uh, go with them and hopefully things will improve demand seems to get ever more you know and I, I i did wonder if during the pandemic if the increased telephone access maybe raised patients expectations that whereas before they would happily wait for a week or two for an appointment now they feel that you'd just be able to speak to us yeah yeah i, I think my own personal feeling is I, I think covid kind of progressed general practice probably 10 years further down the line so so uh, we have moved into a new era of 24 7 
kind of demand and, and, and an expectation that we are much easier to access. I think we are kind of struggling a little bit because we don't have the capacity to start looking at our our processes and our pathways. But but I think public expectation is that 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 is going to be the way forward. And you can kind of see that with the private medical providers is that they are providing online consultations 24-7 when people want them, where people want them. Um, and, and you can agree or disagree, but that, that is... That is the way that the population is moving. We've got 24-hour banking, 24-hour shopping. So 24-hour medicine kind of becomes inevitable. But I suppose it's how we provide that with the constraints that we have. And um, like I say, my my gut feeling is efficiency is probably the way. But we need time to kind of reflect in practices and think, uh, are there efficiencies? How do we make them happen? The change management that goes with it. All challenges in a very stressed environment at the moment because, yeah, the GP numbers are decreasing, the patient demand is increasing, the the finances and the the stresses that come with that, and uh, and we've now got multiple other staff and team members that we didn't have before, even three or four years ago, that we're managing and looking after, and we've got to learn how to do that as well. So it's going to keep us keep us busy that's for sure but David it's, it's been fantastic to speak uh, thank you very much for your um, time any any New Year's resolutions? Um, I think for me because it has been a very very busy time it, it, it's I, I've kind of got a bit of personal reflection and you've got to look after yourself and your teammates a bit like uh, look after the family but um, so certainly um, looking after yourself you, you can only do what what you can do and uh, yeah the more you look after yourself both from a kind of physical mental health point of view is absolutely um, the way forward and I think 2024 for me will be making things as efficient as we physically can but realizing we probably can't do everything and it is just a case then of doing what you can and and look after the folk that you're working with because they are uh, they're the people that kind of keep you going at the end of the day is my own personal opinion. That's a great message. Well, listen, all the best for the new year. Thanks very much. Lovely to be able to say Happy New Year to Dr. Chris Weatherburn. I know it's lovely to be able to say Happy New Year to yourself and all of the snug members listening. I thought perhaps you might like to have a, a year off from speaking to us, but I'm really pleased you're still keen to do so. I'll always stay keen, I think. It's like one of these things that people expect at this time of year, you know, like the King's Speech. <laughs> <laughs> Too much pressure, Andrew, but thanks. So so it seems like 2023 has just come and gone really quickly uh, since we last spoke. How has the last year been for you? It's been excellent, challenging. It's gone quickly, I juggle in a few different things and enjoying it, thanks. I wanted to ask you, how have you been finding using the new hosted vision system? Fine, thanks. I'd had the luxury, I suppose, of using vision previously. Uh, So the migration in our practice went uneventfully. No hiccups. Staff used the new system with ease. So I'm really pleased to report that. That's great. And yeah, the other thing I suppose I'm interested in having been involved with it for a while was the digital respect system. Have you got any experience of that now? Yep, we were lucky enough. NHS Tayside were one of the early adopters of the digital respect. I've used it several times. Found the form easy to complete. What I really liked about it was it was integrated with the clinical portal, so it was easy to find. I also gave some feedback because it was early development, and I was impressed with how responsive the team were 
Uh, this was just about having to use a particular internet browser, and they responded quickly and dealt with that. So I found the digital respect easy to use and very well laid out. Yeah, that's good to hear. I mean, we've been using it for a couple of years for Sally, and like you, I find it easy to use and quite intuitive. I think there's still a little bit of uncertainty with colleagues about where it sits alongside the key information summary, but I suppose we keep on seeing it as complementary, and the great advantage of it is that hospital users can input forms and, and amend them, so it's really useful. Yeah, completely agree. So, as usual, I'm really interested to hear if you've got some good book recommendations for us this year. I'm absolutely sure you do. Thanks. Uh, you'd ask for me to recommend three books. The initial challenge was thinking which three books are relevant for primary care. I'd give you one first that's called Unstoppable by Dave Anderson. And this focuses on dealing with challenges because challenges are an inevitable part of life. And to overcome them, maintain enthusiasm, we need to be prepared for both wins and losses. I like this concept, don't let your birth certificate define your attitude, because if you actually look at your birth certificate, it doesn't give you an attitude. You have the power to change your own attitude, and also, more importantly, how you respond to challenges. So, yeah, obviously, like many things, it's easy to say, approach situations as opportunities not problems. But when things don't go well, which unfortunately sometimes they don't in primary care, just remember you can control your attitude and your approach, and that'll have a profound effect on both yourself and the entire team. I'd enjoyed looking at your review of a book called How to Find a Black Cat in a Dark Room. And again, there's a lot in that about decision making and how you perceive things and how you make decisions. Absolutely. And because you've been kind enough to watch my video, How to Find a Black Cat in a Dark Room by Jacob Burak, I'd unsurprisingly put that as one of the books I was recommending. <laughs> you pointed out a few things, but I would say there's a huge amount of learning in that book, some of which isn't relevant to primary care. But willpower, willpower is mentioned, and it's a finite resource. So really use your willpower wisely and be aware that perfectionism can drain willpower. It also mentions the importance of the emphasis on intention rather than outcome for personal goals, but not just personal goals. This could apply to sports, parenting, or working with other team members in primary care, for example. And also perception and evaluation, as the title suggested, what we're told about somebody really influences how we evaluate them. We should all aim to be warm and competent. But if we think for a moment how we can influence patients, even when they walk in the door, you know, what people say about the clinician will impact ultimately how that experience goes. There was also a little bit about cultural differences and, and a fantastic experiment with Americans and Koreans who had been given a large selection of pens and they were asked to select one. Now, the Americans tended to select the rarer color. Uh, you could argue because they're encouraged to be more unique rather than people from Korea who tended to select the most common color. Now, it's a 
light-hearted, a really pointless experiment, but it does, from the point of view working in primary care, highlight that there are cultural differences, and we do have to bear that in mind when we're treating people, because sometimes you think, well, why is somebody doing such a thing? And it may be that we don't have a great understanding of their culture. But finally, it also emphasizes that having hope and positive feelings towards the future really both increases our effort and achievement. Yeah, it sounds really interesting. I mean, I haven't read it yet, but on the basis of what you're describing there, things like I mean, I suppose even our intuition, our unconscious decision making and our biases, these kind of things interest me. I'd certainly like to listen to this book and um, see what it adds. It's a long one, uh, but if you want a more light-hearted <laughs> one, got my third recommendation. Be Useful, Seven Tools for Life by Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was one of my heroes as a child, and after reading the book, I think he's still one of my heroes. It's about chasing a vision. And when you've got a vision that works for you, there's actually nothing more energizing than making progress to this. But also the importance of being able to sell to others and then identify how people react to your vision. And you need to then know who the decision maker is to do that. Some of these are relevant to primary care if we think of cluster working, for example. But also make sure other people know about your dream then act as if it's already happened. Now, there's some amusing quotes that I wouldn't recommend for primary care, such as rest is for babies, relaxation is for retired people, because we need to be mindful to have a good work-life balance and not burn out. But the main reason and the main relevance that I've selected this book is because he categorically states in a chapter he's not a self-made man, and he gets frustrated when people say this because they think it's a compliment. He's worked hard with dedication. But what he mentions is true, deep appreciation to the help others have provided. You see, life isn't a zero-sum game and teamwork is the key. And he's been lucky, like I have been lucky, that we've had truly inspirational people around us, like yourself, Andrew, working through the Snug Exec and that's actually been a pleasure to work with you and others, but it's also paved the way forward. So we have to be mindful ourselves to help future generations and therefore being able to inspire, train, educate other medical students, doctors, allied health professionals, and the whole wider team is a real privilege that we need to keep in mind and we need to give the importance on that that it deserves and realize that it's a real privilege to be in that situation. So those are the three books. Thank you, Chris. Uh, I, I have to say I was not expecting a, a Schwarzenegger recommendation, but that's uh, that's amazing. I'm really impressed with your continued output and your, your videos seem to get more, you know, slick as time goes on, all the little effects. And you, you must spend quite a bit of time having to, to refine these, do you? Yeah, I, I've got two editors now. Ah, uh, outsourcing. Outsourcing and keeping them happy. 
It's a delicate balance, yeah. I know, they're, lo they're looking really good. Well, keep up the good work. Um, I suppose just to finish, I mean, we're all conscious of problems in the wider world and, you know, rather worrying times ahead, perhaps in 2024. And, and general practice is, remains a busy and, and at times demanding job. I just wanted to end on a positive note and, and ask, is there anything that makes you feel optimistic for 2024? Oh, personally, loads of things. But in relation to primary care, I think the thing that I'm most excited about is the new data and intelligence platform that's going to be replacing Spire. It's been funded, and I do think that it's a great uh, concept, and it's what we make of it. So that's the thing that's driving me in terms of both optimism and potential for 2024. So hopefully when we speak next year, we can find that there's been meaningful progress and it's helping GPs deliver great care to patients. So there we are, some great ideas to start the new year with and Snug will be supporting you and your practice in the year ahead. See our website, snughealth.org.uk. Snug is holding a Migrations Training Day on Wednesday the 24th of April at the Westerwood Hotel Cumbernauld. Now we're still in the early stages of planning but it will have a similar feel to the conference while focusing on system migration. There'll be talks from practice managers that have undergone the move and Sedudum will be showing vision anywhere. So some thoughts for you as we finish off. As you prepare for changes in the practice, are you considering any efficiency savings you can make in your practice in the next year? Change is inevitable and we have to be ready for both wins and losses. But maybe we can be more aware of our own attitudes, how we use our willpower, and maybe focus on our intentions rather than the outcomes. And remember, as Arnie says, there is nothing more energizing than chasing a vision. Make sure others know about your dream and act as if it has already happened. I really had to try hard there not to do a bad impersonation. But that's us for this time. Hope you enjoyed it. Hit the subscribe button and give us a nice review. Thanks for listening. And you can be sure of one thing. I'll be back. And I couldn't really finish off any other way than like this. Hasta la vista, baby.